So what is it that? So this is what we Welcome, welcome, welcome to Farm Plug TV. I am Camper K, or also known as Kayla Peterson, my government name. And this is... Yo, what's going on, everybody? Um, I am Candace Clark, also known as Kando Farm Plug. And today we'll be talking about... The D. The D. <laughs> All the D. All the D. Yes. We're going to be talking All about damage, yes. deforestation, so displacement, disenfranchisement, degradation, and how to flip that around and bring it back to divest from these negative systems, to use data to destigmatize these systems that we live in. So that's just a quick rundown of all the Ds that you're gonna be seeing today and we're gonna jam pack them. Yes, at you, at you, at you, at you. These, 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 these. So. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool me. So let's um go ahead. Of course, we gotta hop into some news, right? Let's keep people abreast of what's going on. So. Um, I'll let you kick it off. What news do you have? All right, let me pull it up so I can give you some data and stats. The first thing I want to keep people under their toes and aware about is that the president-elect Joe Biden uh, officially appointed his first climate person. It's not a huge appointment, but it's someone from the White House Office of Public Engagement and there's supposed to be a liaison between the business community and the climate change activists. It's interesting they picked this person. Oh, his name is Cedric uh, Richmond, uh, a Democrat from Louisiana. But the thing about money and politics, it is bipartisan. So this man, uh, Congressman Richmond, has received about $341,000 from donors from the oil and gas industry. And that's the fifth highest um, receiver of funds from that industry among the Democrats. So this is who Joe Biden picks to be the liaison between activists and um, the business industry. And also his district has seven of the 10 most polluted census tracts in the country. So not only he's taking money from these places, his constitu constituents are on the receiving end of pollution. So it, it kind of just, you know, doesn't make me feel super hopeful for our climate future, um, it, especially, I guess, in the realm of government and what they're going to do. But I know that we're still going to be working on the ground to, you know, make the change, make a difference. But I just think it's important that people's eyes are on this and, you know, we stay aware. Like, yes, we won the battle of getting Joe Biden into the president-elect position, but um, the war continues. So, yeah. And then, I, did you have something to say? No, I was just going to say, in many cases, I think some, some would argue the war is just beginning for real, right? After someone like Donald Trump comes out and brings all of this type of energy back to light. Like, we are literally 
still like I what was that somebody voted for slavery to still be legal a couple yeah like, I want to say Iowa maybe I don't I'm not sure Utah Iowa yeah Utah Utah thank you <laughs> and somebody raised Racism ain't go nowhere. These niggas still racist as hell. And as long as that shit going on, and we keep we, we just can't keep acting like that shit was a long time ago. It's all I was gonna say, but that that's beating a dead horse. So go to your next piece of news. <laughs> My next piece of news, it's not as partisan. It's it's something that we all kind of know um already, or people in the environmental field have or been aware of. And Sherman, if you want to throw up that map real quick, they're perfect. So this map is a little bit of a correlation of your water usage and the types of meat consumption that you have. So you see chicken at the top left and it doesn't have as many red or orange spots. So you can't see the legend at the bottom, but the red and orange uh, signify water depletion levels. So chicken and then to the right you have pork, you see a little bit of water depletion and then on the bottom left, bottom left yeah you see beef so beef is the largest consumption of water you see my little um, notes on the side and then also eth ethanol but a lot of times that is grown to give to um, beef to eat um, that grain and also for you know gas purposes so these are just some things to keep in mind um, like I said ways that we can personally you know reduce our footprint reduce water usage um, and also beef are a big source of pollution um, and methane pollution. So, you know, these are just little things to keep in mind and I wanted to share with y'all. Indeed, and go local. Like a lot of times these yeah. are like giant factories that are concentrated in these areas. So if you find a local farmer that's doing their shit and doing it on their own and supporting it, like down, to, I won't say down to the slaughter, but it's always best, you know, know your farm and know your food. That's just the rule of thumb. Um, so some news that I have is that Trump has invested, well, I don't know how to, I don't know if invest is the best word, but he has uh, pretty much directed or allocated $20.5 billion to farmers since COVID began, um, at least until since February of this year. Iowa has received 9%. Yes, Iowa has received 9% of that money, which is pretty much $1.9 billion. Um, coming in a second of who received that money is Nebraska at $1.4 billion. And then you have California, which received $41.35 billion. You see there at the bottom, followed by Minnesota. And um, then you see... Another shift, which is interesting, like you just pointed out, the beef industry, the cattle industry is the number one receiver of those funds at $6.54 billion. So I'm sure that map that you just showed us, Kayla, we did like a correlation and overlaid where that money went. I'm sure we would see some overlaps in that as well. Um, and the corn industry received $4.56 billion, which is ethanol. So ethanol is derived from corn. So again, referring to the map that you just showed. And right now they don't have a plan for the successor of this program, which means that they don't know if it's going to continue. So the money could totally disappear in 2021, which means any farmers who have not received no money, any money from this gigantic pool, if you don't get it, 
while it getting good, you could be left out of it. Which, you know, when we talk about black farmers, which we'll touch on one of our big D's, <laughs> when we talk about displacement, disenfranchisement, that'll come up later. Um, another thing, which is random, and I'm not trying to, you know, hop on the coronavirus wave or whatever, you people can feel how they feel about it. But at this point in Chicago, one in 15 Chicagoans have the coronavirus. So definitely being careful, not about, you know, just being mindful who you kick it with, not to say you gotta be scared. Also being mindful of, you know, yo, what you're taking into your body. This is the time to be aware of that. Um, super aware. And your gut is like 50% of your immune system at least. So, you know, being healthy, knowing your farmer, knowing your food is another way to fight the coronavirus, right? On multiple levels. Um, and finally, my last piece of news is Apple will be paying $113 million to settle allegations of them slowing down their older models. And that pool of money is totally, totally separate from a different settlement of $500 million in a class action suit that they had earlier this year around their data being slowed down. So definitely, definitely be on the lookout. You may actually, if you got an iPhone, I'm gonna look into this, but we may be entitled to some bread. If you had a, a specific iPhone during um, different release dates that, uh, and you can pretty much prove that your data got slowed down or whatever, I think that you, you may be eligible to get some bread up out of Apple. So, you know, I'm team iPhone, but I ain't gonna be mad at them paying me back. So, you know, but I will also say that I did just hear today that Apple is looking to um, partner with a lot of different HBCUs and actually in the call that I was on right before this one, um, Tuskegee University's Student Marijuana Alliance for Research and Transparency, they held a, a panel this evening with Dr. Mortley. He's the lead researcher down at, at Tuskegee doing industrial, in, industrious hemp, industrial hemp. And he was saying that, they, that Tuskegee's been having conversations with Apple. So, you know, part of that settlement may come in handy, you never know what's that mean when he's chewing you don't know you don't know so um but yes that's all i have for that so kayla um i guess um wait do you guys have any comments do you have any comments tiaria darian what's going on you tuned in thank you so much for sliding through homie y'all got some comments on the news what's going on how that make you feel or if y'all have pieces of news and news that y'all want to bring up Oh, not much. I just want to say, like, this news was very, very helpful. Um, the stuff that you guys are mentioning and what you're talking about. And, like, I would just say, like, Tuskegee's always been super advanced um, as far as, like, where, why um, big companies um, want to use us if you, like, even go back to the history. Like, we've always been at the forefront of things, so it's not surprising to hear that Apple wants to speak to Tuskegee, especially because Tuskegee's one of the few the HBCUs that they actually came to to recruit like back in 2018, hence the Apple Scholars Program. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, news and history, because I didn't know that. So that's what's up. And Darian said, what's up? He's good. He's just soaking it all in right now. Yeah, that good news. That good news. Amen. <laughs> no, you right. took yourself off mute. He was about to say something. <laughs> also, I got another question for y'all. When you said, um, know your farmer, know your food. Okay, what are some tips on like people like me? I'm not really in the industry, but like uh, to get to know our farmers 
I guess, like to get involved, like some tips like that? Oh, my favorite. Well, um, definitely being in situations like this, right? Because uh, Darian is actually a farmer. <laughs> so um, farmers are regular people and they be around, you know. So Darian, you want to comment on that? Yeah, my fault. I'm at, uh, you know, I work at Home Depot at night. So it's a little louder now. I stepped outside for a minute. Uh, no, nah, I mean, you know, just as far as, you know, getting involved on, you know, the whole good food movement and it's on, you know, it's just, you know, you just reach out to anybody, go to, you know, all these community gardens and stuff, you know, when you drive through your neighborhood, you look at, you just simply just, you know, talk to those people and, um, you know, ask them because it's like information that everybody's willing to share. Definitely, definitely. So like um, looking up farmers markets, definitely going to farmers markets, right? Because if you're at the farmers market, you'll see who's out. Um, if you can't find a black farmer, you may be able to find an indigenous uh, farmer or a person of color who may be able to be like, oh, they're not here today, um, but they are doing this, that, and the other. Um, and a lot of times, if you, if you can find one farming organization, they're going to be in tune with other organizations around them. So, for example, um, like Urban Growers Collective, right? On Urban Growers Collective, on their land that, that they're growing, they have other farmers that incubate on those programs. So, um, just by being in contact with that one organization, you, you're instantly put into a, a whole community of, of Black, Indigenous, and people of color who indulge in farming. Perfect. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. That was a good question. But I mean, girl, you know that we farm plugging around here. So that's what, what it's all about. And not even just farm plugging, right? Because Kayla's background is in water, right? So there is no agriculture without water. So looking at all aspects of this um, is what we're going to get into. So don't be, don't be discouraged because today we're talking about D. Oh, damage. Yeah. I tried. That was so lame. I tried. That was great. That was great. I liked it. Off the cuff. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about D for damage, but we broke the D up into seven parts because seven is just the number of completion. So we broke this D down in seven different parts. So the big D is damage, right? But these the first four Ds are examples of this damage and what this damage may look like. So we have deforest we have displaced, we have degrade and disenfranchised. So first and foremost, Kayla, what is deforest? What is, well, maybe we should start with degrade. You want to start with degrade? It's up yeah. to you. Which D you want to start? <laughs> D, girl, pick your D. Hey, ooh, okay, create your own uh, history, your own destiny. Um, yeah, I mean, I think degrade is a good way to start um, because, deforestation is a type of degradation you know so i feel like that would be a good transition so initially you know when i was thinking about degrade uh degrade and degradation i was thinking about industrial agriculture and i feel like it segues ways perfectly into what we were talking about in their news articles or news today is that degradation happens more frequently into a larger level when you have this large scale industrial agricultural system that often degrades our water quality, um, degrades the soil, the way that we farm um, in large scale. And I'm not talking about community gardens or small scale farmers. I'm talking about a lot of these large scale 
um, what we call CAFOs or concentrated animal feeding operations. And that's where a large portion of meat comes from when you're in the grocery store or definitely when you're at a Chick-fil-A or fast food restaurant, wherever you may shop. A lot of that meat comes from these large industrial um, organizations, operations, and that level of production highly degrades, like I said, our soil, our air, our water. Um, it's a large source of pollution. I forgot the percentage, but agriculture is a large production of pollution. So these are just different ways that, you know, we see damage in our world today, but this isn't anything new. You know, definitely when it comes to the industrial revolution, you know, when we talk about the machine rise and all these factories, you are seeing large scale pollution all throughout, you know, the Europe, um, Europe, England, North America, we were burning a hole in our ozone. So I feel like humans definitely when we're operating, operating under this capitalistic mindset, and we have this drive to produce and produce and produce and consume and consume and consume, it leads to the degradation of not only our land, our air, our water, but also human life and the people who are working in those industries and then also us who are the recipients of those products. I feel like, you know, we are degrading ourselves in a lot of ways when you know, if you want to take it to a spiritual level, there's a lot of people who think animals that die in that stressful situation, we're consuming that. So we're consuming that stress and that pain. But then, Kendall, you want to hop in? I know you're super spiritual. Yeah, I mean, not even, but that's, I mean, that's not spiritual. That's science. Like there are literal, there are chemicals that are released. Yeah. That's why we hear like Muslims or they eat halal or um, for Jew, for Jew, people who um, identify with Jewish, they Jewish. Um, that's a different conversation. But um, they eat kosher because yeah. it's a spiritual practice that you make sure that you know you pray over the animal. But it's just a more humane way of slaughter that is not like machine and controls the adrenaline and the toxins that the animal releases before it dies. So, like you said, it, it is. It can be spiritual if you want to swing it that way. But on the most basic level, yeah. um. In, is inhumane behavior and it translates into humans whether you consume it directly or indirectly it still matters exactly and even if you on top of the stress that that animal goes through on top of that you can talk about the chemicals that we feed that animal whether it's antibiotics or hormones like these are things that we're giving these animals so they can grow bigger and they have shorter lifespans because the shorter time period that you can feed an animal that's less money that's less input so they want short life lifespans with large growth and how do you do that supplements uh hormones uh antibiotics and these different type of chemicals are adding into our food system and then we are consuming that so yeah and if they if it's not done through like supplements then it's done through like genetic modifications of the animal itself right so yeah yeah um, that's when you get in the conversations around biodiversity so when i think of um degradation immediately i think of soil degradation i think about how more than um around 95 percent of the fruits and vegetables that we eat come from the topsoil and over the last 150 years we have 
depleted the topsoil down to like we've gone from here to like a little itty bitty like you know the little okay emoji where it's like i'm this close like that's how much topsoil we got left and that's what we need actually to grow food in and that's that topsoil was created through millions and millions of years of of rocks under under the soil being broken down so we have literally in the last 150 years the way that we farm the way that we do things has erased millions of years of evolution and life cycles and just time you know what i'm saying just because of our our poor agricultural practices um and our and our lack of caring about you know how we treat the earth in a lot of ways so and that's one of the things that's so interesting to me um, when we get, and I, I don't know if you're ready, we can move on to deforestation. Um, but when the second D or our third D, right? So we've done damage, we talked about degradation, and then the third D is deforestation, right? And the first place that comes to my mind when I think of deforestation is Haiti. Um, quite literally, if you look at like a physical map of Haiti, right? You know, it shares an island with the Dominican Republic. Haiti is like virtually dark. There's like no forest. There's no greenery on one side and on the other side, which is the border between Haiti and the DR. It's like all trees, all forests, right? So just because this group of people is dark on one side of the island, um, they've been disenfranchised to the point where um, they degrade their own soil based on their practices by um deforestation where they go out and they constantly cut trees um and, but they use that for their fires in their homes right for them to be able to cook boil water and have fresh clean water um but you know when i think it was 2009 that earthquake that happened and there was giant mudslides those mudslides happened because there were no trees to keep the soil in place so when you talk about degradation it's not only of your food but like kayla said it's also your community right um, your community becomes less safe because now, for example, in Haiti, the community was less safe because they didn't have any forests and because they didn't have any forests, they suffered from major landslides in addition to the earthquake that they experienced, right? So, and, and not only that, but the forest, you know, provides, you know, it's a ecosystem. So it, it harbors life, it's other values, other value that we get from the forest that we don't even like you really can't even factor in you know so all of these people in haiti are burning all of these all of this wood in their homes giving off all this co2 but they don't have any forest to pull that co2 out of the atmosphere exactly thank you so much Sharman. um you see haiti on the left and the dominican public on the, on the right and the only difference for real for real historically between these two groups of people is slavery <laughs> you know so um you want to comment on 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 deforestation for you yeah i was just gonna talk, uh, go into some of those other benefits that you mentioned so one of the big ones i think of and it's really tr trending right now is carbon capture so for those who are not familiar with this term carbon capture carbon sequestration sequestration um, is when trees, plants, living animal, uh, living plants grab carbon from the air because that's what they breathe in and they produce oxygen. So it's actually technology that's pre-existing that will help clean, you know, uh, toxins from our air. And that's one of our main defense 
lines and defense mechanisms and we are you know degrading that and deforesting that and cutting it down not only in haiti but you know in indonesia in madagascar in the amazon in different regions all throughout the world even probably places in the united states this is happening and this has happened historically within the united states um so I think it's really important. Another thing that we get from forests is that helps filter um, our water system. So a lot of times when you get that la large amount of rain, that rain runs off and it creates sedimentation. So it takes off parts of the, the ground, the soil with it, and that gets into our water body. So you see that very often in the United States as well, a lot of uh, sediment and erosion in our waterways. Um, yeah, and so it, it, it's really important. And then also one more thing I want to say is because you mentioned Haiti, and that's a really important case study, but there's so many different drivers of deforestation. In Haiti's case, it's, you know, the personal people who need that firewood, but in different regions, it can be driven by, you know, first world usage of like high class yachts, like, and that takes a specific type of wood that's only found in, you know, the Amazon, so they cut down those trees. So there's so many different drivers of um, deforestation, but that's why it's such a difficult issue to, to tackle, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I know in, um, in Madagascar, they have the rosewood tree. And so I know um, one of my mom's friends was telling me when you ride around, you see like, signs of billboards up telling people like if you get caught with this you're going to jail like it is no conversation because this is a not only is it a natural resource but it's also a quality natural resource right so you have some trees that when they catch on fire they don't burn <laughs> like and that is what can make a lot lot a lot lolly worth you know what i'm saying five hundred dollars um a pound or whatever however uh, i'm not sure how you measure timber i just know that loblollies cost hella money because they don't burn and that's the difference <laughs> between that and then the projects that i was staying in when i lived in tuskegee so. um <laughs> so we had damaged degradation deforestation and now we're at displacement, displacement. there you go yeah Exactly. So, and that's interesting because a lot of times deforestation <coughs> can lead to this, right? So yeah. when, we were, when we mentioned um, the forest being an ecosystem, when that forest is removed, you, all of the things that live in that ecosystem are displaced and they have to find somewhere else to go, right? So if you can't empathize with animals, then maybe you can empathize with humans, right? When we get displaced, um, for example, gentrification that's a form of displacement when you lived in your community your whole life and then it becomes suddenly trendy because you're black and you live there and you made it cool and then people come there and then your property value goes up and then suddenly you can't afford to live there anymore and then you gotta move somewhere else right we see that in chicago over and over and over it's going on in la it's, it's a phenomenon that happens all over the world for real I, i'm sorry i got excited because that one is like that one just it hits because it doesn't yeah matter if you're like you know i'm from chicago but you know spending time in alabama and all these rural places it don't matter where you are like displacement exists and it happens and it takes form it's happened all throughout history 
um, and it, it, it transforms, you know, and it, it looks different in, in different cases. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that historical aspect because that's where I was gonna take it, that it, it's def the new form that we see now is gentrification, but displacement is nothing new to the United States. The United States, if anything, was built on this idea of displacement because first, the colonizers or settlers or whoever you want to, however you want to call them, um, they displaced Native Americans, you know, the Trail of Tears, you know, half of the indigenous population being wiped away. They are literally removing human life from the land to reap the benefits of that land, you know, to conquer and to displace and to um, subjugate. You know, and then in tandem with that displacement of Native and Indigenous peoples, we, Black people and African people were displaced from their Native lands. They were taken, they were stolen, they were, you know, sold into slavery and displaced and removed from their land um, and brought into the United States. And I feel like that level of displacement you know, if you want to tie in the spiritual brings into, you know, this spiritual trauma and disconnection. And, you know, there's a lot of identity associated with land and ownership. And so without that identity, without that, you know, history, our home, that place, a lot of times, you know, that trauma can film form spiritually, but then you want to take it to another level that displacement of land leads to the lack of resources. Because if you don't have land, you can't be a farmer. Or you can lease out the land of someone else, but you don't have, or lease out the land of someone else, but you don't have that ownership. You don't have that same connection with the land. Um, so I feel like land ownership and the connection to land is really important. And it's been, you know, ripped away from black and indigenous people in this country. I saw you come on, Kando. Feel free to jump in. No, I was I was just saying, and it's generational as well. Um, when you talk about building wealth, when you talk about trauma, like all these things, they don't just begin one year, right? It starts when, um, like you said, with slavery. Then, no, not even slavery. It starts with displacement, right? Forced displacement. For example, um, the Trail of Tears. That was 60,000 people approximately 60,000 people within 20 years that were displaced. Yeah. Forcefully moved, like, in, like forcefully moved from one place to the next, you know? And without any regard for how, how people are supposed to survive when they get there, even for us, right? When we, when we got here, you know, the Civil War was a big conversation, like, dang, so if we free them, what do we do with them, you know? So then it becomes, all of these systems and these policies that are created to figure out, well, what do we do with these people that we didn't really plan for after we displaced them? You know, it's so exploitive, it's so one-sided. And I think it's just um, really important to, to think about how this displacement, um, you know, like he said, um, the forests affect the, the entire world. All of these things affect the entire world, even in, in what seems like these little itty bitty ways. And, for us to be able to, you know, connect to animals and shit, you know, connect to things. Oh, Darian, you just came on, you wanna say something? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm gonna say to be able to connect, you know, it's just interesting to me. Like I draw these weird connections, like be like a bird, be free, man. Like part of that is cause I, you know, I'm, I'm 
cool with the earth and shit. The other part of that is like, if you can't identify with the earth, if you can't identify with breathing clean air, if you can't identify with things that you benefit from, how can you identify with a whole with another person that you've never seen with a whole different way of life that you've never experienced? Like, it's just really far, you know? So it seems really far and really distant. Another D. I'm loving this. Oh, yeah. Hey, coming at you with the D's. But yeah, I love how you brought it to that spiritual level that you know we can be distant and displaced from the land that even is near us, even that's in our backyard. Like we can still be displaced if we have that same mentality. We haven't broke down those barriers that we've carried with us generational that has placed a stigma on black and brown people when they're in the environment and how it may be perceived. So it, I love that you brought that up because I wasn't even thinking before, you know, how we can be displaced but still have land or still be around land, you know, and I think that's a really important idea to break into, you know, because we're starting to change the narrative, but it, there's still so much work that, to, that needs to be done. And and that can be like this. That's our last kind of negative D, right? Is disenfranchisement, right? So yes. you can be displaced physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and that will can manifest in you being disenfranchised, right? And and oftentimes we see disenfranchisement. It comes up when we talk about ec economics. It comes up when we talk about voting rights, right? People being disenfranchised, being um their rights to vote being displaced or removed from them um you know but disenfranchisement is such a big word um what's the definition of that in real life what does that actually mean i'm yeah. on my phone but my phone isn't where the good signal is at because y'all was treating my ass because <laughs> my signal was trash <laughs> but um, let me let me pull it up real quick it says the state of being deprived of a right or privilege, especially the right to vote. So you use a great example. So I feel like you, you know, described it to the T. You know, we, we really don't need the definition, dictionary definition to tell us because us as Black people have lived it. You know, we, we know what it means to be disenfranchised and we might not have the vernacular to, you know, express that in political laissez-faire, but we know it and we feel it, you know, and we were talking about, me and Candace, we were talking about this earlier, disenfranchisement is a lot of times the, the other side of the coin to displacement. And in so many ways, Black people, Indigenous people, people of color have been disenfranchised and they feel that. And I think the issue is we know this and we feel it, but we're, we're looking for the tools to, you know, override this system. And clearly, you know, I've heard this quote before. I don't know who it's by, so if someone knows, but you know, I can't think of James Baldwin, maybe, but your oppressor is not going to give you the tools to overthrow him, you know, and I'm learning this more and more. So like we have the knowledge, you know, we have the experience, we have the history, we get the tools, you know, I don't want to say we don't have the tools because we were, we're in the process of it. And there's some people who are more prepared than others, but I think that's a really uh, important point that we, at the end of the day, we know what disenfranchisement is. And now the next step is overcoming that and, you know, taking the tools if necessary to overcome that. Definitely, definitely. I'm loving these Ds. I'm gonna go crazy with it while we got it. Um, Darian, 
Do you have hey, Darian Dude comments? T Tiaria. Hey, what's up? What's up? What was that? You got any comments? Comments. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kind of come like. I don't know if this is like considered off topic or not, but when you're talking about the deforestation and when you start like talking about when it comes to people and how like um, after the um, just like slavery, how people had to like, um, I guess like identify themselves again, you know, really didn't really understand who they were and um, kind of go into more of the reconstruction period, um, even kind of honing in on Booker T. Washington, like saying like, you know, black people needed to focus on their, focus on their skill and everything. How would you relate it to that with the, as far as reconstruct, the reconstruction period and getting to know from a, I guess a human standpoint back to like the whole back to farming. I think that's perfect because we have some negative D's here, but we do have some positive D's, right? And those positive D's are are tools, right? That some some tools that um, that people can use to combat all of these negative D's that are happening. And a lot of times, these D's can feel so big. It's just, oh, I just can't take it. But you can take that D. These are the three D's. Take yes. What are, what are one of those D's, Kayla? Give us one of those D's that we can yeah, do. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to give it to you. So the, the big D that we're trying to talk about is divest. We want to divest from this system. Um, so the way that we divest from the system, it's kind of like what Kayla was talking about, you know, going to those farmer market, you know, planting if you can, harvesting rainwater if you can, learning about farming, you know, beekeeping, any of these skills that kind of takes your takes you away from this system that is meant to oppress and to reap and uh, cause damage and to disenfranchise people. You know, so we have the ability to, you know, hone in with each other, to build community with each other that isn't dependent on this capitalist system, this white supremacy system that we're living in. So that's what I'm thinking about when I say divest. What what are you thinking about, Kendo? Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, divest is the opposite of invest, right? You 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 pull your money. So as you've seen that the the buy black wave is going bigger, it's people going crazy with it, but it has to be full circle. You know, like if you can't buy black at the time, go with a person of color, go with an indigenous person. Um, and I would even say go with the indigenous person sometimes, spice it up, because they depending on how you, on what how you look at blackness, right? They are indigenous, they one of us too. So find the solidarity in other things. Um whenever you do do things like for me personally, when I travel, I do my best to not invest in, you know, um, like the Marriott and things like that. Like I try to, like, even if I do want to relax, sometimes I might, I might stay at a resort for a day or something like that, but it'll be like a day trip. It's not like I'm spending my whole time in Jamaica on, in this all-inclusive hotel where I do not talk to any of the local people and none of my money goes to the local people and none of the food that I'm eat, eating was sourced locally. So even the farmers there, you know what I'm saying? Like those decisions that you make with the privilege that you do have, right? Because yeah, we black in America, but being in America gives you a certain amount of privilege, right? And so being able to acknowledge that and take advantage of that privilege, of whatever privilege you got, whether it's male privilege, um, and 
I, I would say women privileged because you know I feel like I, I can create privileges for myself just based off being a woman right so you know but taking advantage of all of every opportunity that you have to invest in your people and not in the system that oppresses your people is divesting and if you can move on that I think that's that's I mean that's that's huge right and then a second D that you can use that's a great for your uh, D toolbox, right, is data, right? Data, 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 data. So um, for me, what that means is more, we need more people doing science. We need more people doing research. We need more people being innovative and capturing this information while it's happening because we live in the age of information and data is king. Data is everything. Data, when you get all this, spam in your inbox when they selling your information and selling it because it's data and data is like gold and if we can begin to get more data and tell our own stories then that's another way to you know like kayla said we shift that narrative and we begin to take control and that's another form of divestment but what what do you think about data kayla yeah no you hit it on the head um only part i would elaborate on is like you were kind of leading into that you know, telling your story is data. I feel like sometimes we see the word data or we might hear that and it might be intimidating or it may think, make you think of academia, make you think of, uh, I don't know, researching paper, research papers, 50, you know, page papers, all this stuff. And that is data as well, but your story sitting on the back porch with your local elder or your uncle that you never really talked to or whoever and having those conversations actually listening to people who had their hands in the dirt who have historical knowledge who have indigenous knowledge that's data and that's just as important and just as relevant as westernized uh historical academic data you know and i feel like a lot of times we don't you know give ourselves credit because we we as black people we as indigenous people we have a wealth of knowledge we have a wealth of power and history and you know definitely when it comes to food and cooking like who who, who puts their foot in food and cooking in the united states you know what i'm saying you 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 better believe it's black people and people of color hispanic people we are the ones who are whipping in the kitchen. So, you know, we have good food. We're going to make good dinners. We're going to make good meals and we can share in that. And that is a source of data. You know, having a good meal that you can share with someone, that's a data point. Definitely if it's a healthy meal, a meal that's giving you nourishment, um, something that's diverse, you know, your plate has some color. And if, if you know how to whip that meal up and you can share that with people, that's a data point and you should be confident and proud of that, you know, and I don't want it, no, I don't want to belittle that. And it kind of leads us into our third point, but I don't know, Kendo, if you had another point or you want to take us to the third. Um, no, I was just going to say like, like what you're saying is like, and it's another D that popped into my mind that when you look well, at telling stories as a form of data, that's also decolonizing education. You're decolonizing, which was a D that girl, I, I just can't for the life <laughs> believe we overlooked, okay? I can't handle all these Ds, Lord. <laughs> too much D, I heard too much D. Um, but yeah, you can decolonize. And when you tell your story and when you tell your family story and when you learn about your family and you do that research, um, you know, not only does it bring you closer to yourself, 
It brings you closer to your family. It brings your community closer. It gives you more information. And then when you become a person like Kayla, who's looking to own land, you like, damn, I already got land in my family. Damn, we all I got to do is talk to my family and this could be, you know what I'm saying? Then you get opportunity. And when you create opportunity, that's more opportunity to divest. You see what I'm saying? So it all comes back. You feel me? But definitely data and, and, and telling your story is, is super important. But I'm going to let you take it away with that last big D, girl. Well, I feel like, big D. hey, the big one. This is a big one. And it, it's connected to everything we've already said. And it's definitely connected to decolonization. But it's de-stigmatization, if I can say that word. Um, so I feel like certain things are stigmatized. So taking that stigma away from you know, whether it's agricultural work, whether it's cannabis work, I know Kando has a lot to say about that, um, whether it's being out in the sun. I, I haven't told the story this much, but like, you know, I'm a dark-skinned individual and I was teased for that when I was younger. And I literally, this was a story that I have, I just popped in my head, let me share real quick. But I remember, you know, working at car wash, I think for an organization, mainly black women. And this one girl, they were teasing me, you know, whatever, I got thick skin, you know, so I had melanin, but they were teasing me, and then um, this one girl was literally hiding under the table, and she's like, I don't want to get any darker, like, you know, we were out in Texas sun, so she's like, I don't want to get darker, you know, blah, 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 and it's like, why is there a stigma with being dark? Why is there a stigma with being outside and being in the sun? You know, you hear white girls or other people talk about tanning and getting their tan on. You know, if I get a little tan in the summer and I'm three shades darker, like, and what? <laughs> and then I grew, you know, and I grew my tomatoes and I got three shades darker and what? You know, so I feel like we need to take that stigma away and it, we're moving that way. Um, but there's still definitely in the agriculture world. I'm a big outdoor nature person. I love camping. I like kayaking all that stuff and a lot of times I'm one of the only black people in these circles rock climbing stuff like that so I feel like there's still a lot of stigmas there's still a lot of barriers in the environmental field in in general and I I don't I feel like it's double-sided one you know I don't want black people to feel uncomfortable and I don't want them to feel like they can't engage in these resources but then at the same time I don't want you know there's people who are also putting up those barriers and gatekeeping so I don't want us to feel bad that it's all our fault. There are barriers and it's their financial, it's attitudes and I face them all, it seems like, and I still am facing them. But this is something that we need to promote, we need to talk about it, we need to change, like I said, the narrative. So anything else you want to add to that, Kando? Tiaria says, same sis, um, she's dark skinned too. She says, same sis, but look at our pretty ass now. That girl, hey. and that's what I'm saying, because Tiaria is I swear, she if she likes one of my pictures and tells me like that's cute in my heart, I'm like, oh my god, it's cute for real. Like, I'm, I'm fine for real. So, um, and I mean, it's amazing. And when I think of destigmatize, you know, my brain instantly goes, you know, I'm just taking it straight to cannabis. Like that in and of itself, like needs to be destigmatized. When people say, oh, criminals, only black people, like it's still a lot of negative energy that surrounds cannabis, even though we are just now becoming aware of some of, of hundreds of benefits to this plant, right? So the stigma of cannabis is what has kept us from being able to really educate ourselves about it so that we can be more smart about the way that we use it, right? When you destigmatize things, it's kind of like you lifting the veil of ignorance from yourself. Like, 
taking that stigma away, not letting people tell you what to think about anything. And so um, once you remove that, then you can be more, you can imagine. And, and you know, my whole thing this year is like holding your imagination accountable. If you can dream bigger, then you can do bigger. You can do better. You can do whatever you set your mind to. So, um, you know, we had a lot of big these, but I want to know like Darian or Tiaria, do you all have any, um, do, do, do you, do you, um, every D is just standing out to me right now. Do you guys feel like um, with, with, Destigmatizing with the data points telling your story and with uh, Di divesting. Divest, yeah. I'm like, there's another D there. And do you think that those are three strong things that you can like take with you every day and feel like you're doing something or doing any? I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Is that clicking for y'all or do y'all have some other things that you think um, we should look at and other tools that we can add to, to our toolbox? Charming. Yeah, I think that the data one really stuck out to me because I never looked at data as like you telling your story. I think that was a very interesting perspective because most of the time when um, being, you know, having an engineer background, we think of data as gathering information from other sources, but you are the source. So I was like, oh, that's lit. That was a beautiful perspective. Yeah. You are the source. We like that. Put that on a short. You are the source. <laughs> Ooh, hold up. Let, let's train back that real quick. <laughs> let's train. No, real life. Go ahead. No, seriously. Like, for real, though. Go ahead. That was fire. Um, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, Barry and Charmin, you guys got something to add? So, like, um, doing, like, the Grounds for Peace, like, program every day, and kind of like looking into like the system that's like feeding that program and understanding what it is that they want to get out of that. Like I've been coming back to, you know, they're a data collection company. So they literally just getting feedback and collecting data off, you know, black guys. You know what I mean? Recently released from prison. So like, honestly, just to kind of like hear that from another person, well, I, you know, I like to hear that from other people that understand, that kind of think like that and can actually like articulate that in that type of a way. Again, that's why I say I'm just here. I'm, 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 I'm gathering this information. I'm, I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Cause to like hear that it just kind of makes, brings all of that around like full circle for me. Um, and, and, and all of it, like, yeah, I felt that. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's huge. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much because um, like you said the project exactly what you said and that's one of the things that um, you know really when Urban Growers and I know you know Erica would tell me this all the time was like typically we wouldn't have done a project like Grounds for Peace but it was such an opportunity to be able to touch this part of the community that's often forgotten and these brothers that are coming out of prison got real stories you feel me and if they could tell their stories and, and that be submitted as data you know that can totally shift it doesn't, it gets to a point where it doesn't matter about the outside forces that come into your community with their intentions because you can control your narrative when you can tell your story and, and look at that as data and see that as being important. So, um, yeah, well, I haven't even made that connection. So thank you for that. Um, Charmin, you got any, any comments before we close up out of here? I'm going to take that as a no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but um, 
I don't know, Kayla, you got some some final remarks, anything, some shameless plug? We always got to do our shameless plugs, you feel me? So what's coming up? You got something new? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing some stuff here in Texas, so if there's any people in the region, in the area, um, I'm, I'm finally getting my hands in the dirt. It's feeling good. I've uh, joined this organization called Rooted in Melanin. It's, you know, Black and, you know, people of color being involved in community gardens and trying to help with food security, you know, so it's still launching. So I'm excited to be a part of this organization. So, but, um, you know, I, you know, I don't have anything to promote right now besides that. And if there's anyone in the region in the, the dirty South, let me know. I would love to connect with y'all. Yes, Darian, Sharman, T, y'all got something to promote? Some people should know about. Um, no, but I do. Well, I am moving to Atlanta. So you said that, um, like the region, you talking about Texas only, or do you like have some information for Atlanta? Cause I would love, I guess, whatever resources y'all have for that area for me to like, kind of, you know, get plugged in down there. I would love yeah, to. I know Kendo has some resources, but Atlanta's popping. Like there's a lot. I was just on a webinar yeah. yesterday with uh, some black farmers from the Atlanta region. What were you saying, Kendo? No, I'm saying definitely. I definitely got some uh, black farmers for you down there. And, you know, um, Atlanta is kind of huge. It's, it's interesting to me. They're not as far in the urban ag game as Chicago is. But I think that in the next couple of years, with just the farmers that I know and the relationships that are being built, that's about to turn. So I definitely got some people to loop, loop you in with. Definitely. Okay. Also, I wanted to know if you guys, I actually just got hip to this um, app, new app called Clubhouse, and I'm like loving it. And I want to know, well, I know you on there, Candice, because I saw you on there. But like, I definitely feel like, you know, I literally have like three, four pages of notes just from the little rooms I've been in the last couple of days. It's been crazy, like information and stuff. And just they had like a room today that was talking about how Atlanta is a new hub, especially for um, Black people. And, um, you know, this new progressive movement. And I definitely know because of the election, people definitely looking at, Atlanta basically said, put some respect on my name. So definitely want to make sure people was kind of hip to that too. Yeah, what outcast say? The South got something to say. Okay? The South got something to say. <laughs> Man, Sherman, Darren, y'all got something to pub, something that people need to know about. I'm going to take that up. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, nah, I'll be I'll be better prepared on that in next time. I have something put together. Oh, uh, nah. I don't, okay. Not right now. Cool, cool. So here we educate, we thrive, and we connect. So we definitely had to open up with some news, keep people in the loop. Um, the discussion is where we thrive, right? Because being able to express yourself and have safe space to express yourself and your thoughts um is a form of thriving, right? That's a step up from survival when you know you're safe. How do you feel how can you act when you know you're safe? Um, and then connect at the end. So there's a bunch of stuff going on. Um, I will definitely say, I know that Urban Growers has a GAP certification um, coming up. So for people who may be interested, it's, it'll be December 10th, but you can log online and sign up for that. Um, of course, join the Natural Resource Club because I got some really cool programs that people have been hipping me to. One program I just got accepted to. So now I know I can kind of give other people references um so definitely join the portal to learn more about that 
But um, with that being said, y'all, um, thank you so much for coming and showing some, some love and support. And thank you all to the audience for contributing because you all definitely bring an element of surprise and you help keep it spicy for us because we don't want to just keep talking to each other because we went to school to, with each other. So a certain amount of this, we kind of already know how each other feels. Um, <laughs> You know, but to get the feedback and know that what we're saying is coming full circle, that is landing for us and it makes sense, is super, super, super like motivating. So thank you all for your support and for showing up. Yeah, I also oh, I did want to say I like what y'all doing. Like this is my first time actually catching the episode. I've been trying to catch one for a minute. But um, I made sure that I was super present with it. But I really love what y'all doing. I think this is such a great niche. Um, and, like, just the personality, how y'all, you know, added, like, the, um, just the, like, I guess, like, making it funny and just educational at the same time. And just this being, like, a really unique lane. So this is super dope. Bye, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just so thankful. I feel like every time we do this, we have like a random mixing of people. Um, so it's it's great to get to know you guys. I hope, you know, you can check in when you can, no pressure, but I hope that you can join in um, some conversations with each other and, you know, join. I feel like we really are building a community and I really do love that we took the discussion uh, approach and hearing you know what other people have to say and what they have to bring so um i'm just so thankful to do this with you guys and you know remember all the big d's and for all those bad d's we got some good d's so just remember that <laughs> before we go one more time what them d's is let's run them d's back and, one more yeah. they just too damn <laughs> what the thing yeah <laughs> just just for a recap we got damage de degradation deforestation, displacement, disenfranchisement, and then on the upside, we got data, we got divest, and we got destigmatize. Can't believe I remembered all those. <laughs> the big D, Sharp, you can't just forget the big D now. You can't forget the big, the big D. Get that. Is yeah. it 50 decolonization? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like an extra credit D. That's the extra D that you pass. You pass class with that, with that D. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, but okay. That's all. I just am going to keep cracking dick jokes till everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it interesting. Got to give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah have a good I night gonna share the video night okay well share your video because i, I want to see it <laughs>
shirt or the dress. You are because <laughs> Yeah. It's really lovely. It's so cute. I love there's nature in the background too. It just it's everything. Yeah, it's by my brother's house. Oh really? I really need to come up. Fish. Okay. <laughs> this is dope, though. This looks real AF. I know Charmin don't be fucking around. It's like, let me find out. I didn't know. Thanks for watching guys. As you can see, it was a lot of nature in there. So <laughs> I felt it would be appropriate, but you can definitely check it out on YouTube if you're curious about it. <laughs> but it was dope. I loved it. Yeah, we were giving you shout outs. It was amazing. Thank you. Talking shit positively the entire time. Hey guys, this is Camper K with the Farm Plug TV. And I just want to call out to all artists. If you're a singer, a musician, a writer, poet, a drawer, painter, please reach out to us. We would love to share your work. We would love to promote your work. Um, and just share the love and share your work with the world and with our community. So if you have any work that you would like to share or for us to promote, just go to our IG page. It's farm underscore plug. Um, the link in our bio should have a link tree with the submission page and all that information. Have any questions, hit up Kando the farm plug um, or Kayla Pete on Instagram. We'd love to help you out. We'd love to connect with you guys. And I can't wait to see you see your art. All right, much love, guys.